0: We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge
1: savings? Yeah, Digitex does that.
0: D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Channel. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you with the Edmonton Oilers on the road in Glendale, Arizona. The team, uh, Arizona, by the way, did not have a morning skate Uh the Gila River Arena is in Glendale. Jack Michaels has just tweeted out, and it is as we thought it was going to be. Uh, Connor McDavid with Zach Hyman and Yessa Poliarvi Leon Dreisaitl with Ryan nugent hopkins and Kyler Yamamoto. Ryan Fogel and Cassian stay together, as do Shore, Perlini, and Turris. Uh, Tyson Berry back up with Darnell Nurse. Keith and Cece, Cuckoo and Bouchard. And with Mike Smith on the IR for a week, Miko Koskinen will start in goal. All right, he joins us every Thursday. Thursday here on Oilers Now. Uh, played a number of years in the NHL as a goaltender. Currently with ESPN and the NHL Network. For our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical and solar electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. We welcome back to the show, Kevin Weeks. Hello, Kevin. How you doing? I'm great, thanks. Doc. Hope everybody's doing well out in Alberta too. What's going on? Well, we're we're down in we're down in Zona in the valley of the sun Uh, look I know you have a a national perspective on things from NHL network perspective This team, I mean, I'm just looking at it. Six contracts carrying forward next year. You know, they bring in Carter Hutton. He's pitching an 8.75 goals against average to start the year and a 7.02 save percentage. The other goalie, uh, Carell Vemelka, apparently played pretty well against Buffalo. But, you know, 25... 25, Yeah, so yeah. just your thoughts on what the Oilers are going to be facing tonight and if Bill Armstrong can, you know, put the writing on the wall any more clearly than he already has.
1: Well, I think this sets up the Oil as one of those potential track games, and I'm sure Coach Tippett's going to be saying that. Coach Tippett better have some money on the board, too, by the way, for the boys since he was in arizona for a long time so you better put some money on the board for the oil on the whiteboard in the dressing room but then the reason why him and the coaches will say this could be a trap game is and hey, look man every team playing in the league every player plays in the league has a world of pride right i would say 750 players in the world in the national hockey they got eight billion plus people like it's it's a hard-earned Summit of the mountaintop in our sport and in pro sports. So you can't look at that team and say, okay, these guys are 0-3 and or 2 and 1, excuse me. We're 3-0 and 0. We're going to come in and clean their clock right away. You can't look at it from that perspective in terms of underselling the opponent. That is the Coyotes. Uh, but rather, what you can do is have a healthy vibe for how the Oilers played so far. Yes, unfortunately, we're without our number one ace in the net and Smitty, who's been money again this year. So let's hope that he's going to be okay. But listen, we got Connor and Leon that are tied for the league leader in scoring right now. Eight eight points apiece. Darnell looks like a Norris Trophy type guy that he was last year. Uh, you You add a Zach Hyman and a Warren Fogel to add different dimensions to the team. And let's come in here early. My old minor hockey coach in Toronto used to always say, listen, we know we're the favorites. When we come in here, let's prove it to them right away. Because the longer you let them hang around, the more they're going to start to believe. And you don't want an opposing team getting any sort of belief when the Oilers are rolling the way they are right now. So you've got to come in and try to get a two, three-goal lead in the first and prove to them that you guys who they think they are.
0: All right, couple things for you. As you know, the Oilers tied with Washington last year, best road record in the league, 19-7-2. And, and it's my belief with Coach Tippett and I know this from when he coached Arizona. They never took the Oilers lightly. When he was in Arizona, and Edmonton was rebuilding, and the Oilers went like twenty plus games without beating. They could not beat Arizona they beat them. because typically, yeah, he they. Remember, yeah. you used to work some of those games. It was, you yeah. know, it was frustrating because I'd watched the tunnel level between the two teams and I didn't think there was, there was certainly not near the separation that they, and I'm not being disrespectful of Arizona, but Schmaltz right. and Keller don't exactly match up against the likes of McDavid and Drysidle. So, um, but are there some coaches that are maybe looser during the regular season? Like, like here's the thing Edmonton hasn't got it done in the playoffs. We know that, Kevin, but the reality is, They've they've pretty much maximized what they could accomplish in the regular season the last two years in my opinion and part of that is because they
1: don't take teams lightly. Exactly. No, that's fair and and I think that that has to be the mindset. Like you know, one of the things when y- you play with elite players, they raise the level of everybody else and the smart people that are around them who are leading their own way. Don't get me wrong; I just said you're in the league, but the smart players that are there, they'll recognize, they'll learn, they'll realize, okay. Connor's going, Leon's working his magic down low. He's making plays, so-and-so. I was the same way when, you know, it playing with Patrick Iliash in Jersey, Marty Bordeaux in Jersey, Marty St. Louis, Brad Richards, Vinny LaCabia, even though they were young at the time in Tampa. Like, you see the motor on those players. And it almost brings you into the game. It brings you into the fight, even if you're kind of, you know, half-stepping in the game. And I'll tell you one thing. Those guys aren't going to be half-stepping for the Oil. They're going to come out. They're going to be their usual self, and they'll force you to match the level. And you're right. The last couple of years, I've liked that about the Oil, including their special teams. And we know one thing about Coach Tippett. He's always hyper-detailed on how his teams defend, especially on even strength, but also on the penalty kill. And the Oil, that's been one of their biggest improvements these last couple of years is their special team and rounding out their complete game. And I think for any of the fans that are tuned in anywhere right now, but especially if you're back in Berta, You know, for the long time, everybody was hearkening when all the super-talented young players came in, pre-this generation. And I know, because I was out there almost every weekend, as you said. Okay, we got Jordan Eberle. All right, we got Halsey. Okay, we got Nuge. Okay, we got this person. We got that person, Yakupov. And everybody was always looking for the go, go, go. And I love the go, 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 but it can't be at the expense of the scoreboard at the end of the night and being on the wrong side of it. And to this group's credit... They've, uh, these last couple of years, they've made that adjustment as a team and as individual players, and to me, that ties into the success that they've had
0: lack of depth for Edmonton the last two years. They still finished 12th and 11th. They got exposed for their lack of depth in the playoffs. We know that. They're a different team. They are deeper this year. I want to just quickly hit on goaltending. Mike Smith, two really good starts against Vancouver and Calgary. Got a little nicked up during the game against Anaheim. These are an important next couple nights for Miko Koskinen to kind of reestablish. You, you, take a, you played the position. Like Smith's Tippett's guy, everybody knows that, but there's an opportunity here for Miko, isn't there?
1: Yeah, there's a great opportunity. We said it the other night, live on the NHL Network, because uh, what's what shocked us is, as you, know, you just said, you laid it out. Smitty was going. Smitty looks like himself. You know, there's no drop off. We all know he's a physical specimen. We said on every show, and he's got uh, he's got mother nature and father time by the hand right now and doing a good job of, of using them both to his advantage in spite of his birth certificate. But all that to say, when we saw him come out and I remember the start of the third, I was thinking, okay, well maybe tip saying, Hey, let's get, let's get Koskinen some reps, let him get some action. We don't want Smitty getting nicked up. And then as it turns out, come to find out that Smitty did in fact get nicked up. So this is huge for Koskinen because you're trying to manage games and stuff. You know, this, you travel, I travel a lot. I'm heading to Seattle tomorrow for ESPN from, from Jersey, to just outside New York City. It's cross-continental. And for the oil, there, being in the Pacific Division, of course we know the Battle of Alberta, which we always rave on about, but there's a lot of travel. So Koskinen's minutes are going to be very valuable to the team. I wouldn't be surprised to see if he gets about 30 to 30-plus 30 starts so he can manage Smitty's minutes, permitting you know, Smitty being healthy all year. And Koskinen is going to have to come in and win games. He's going to have to keep them in games, give them a chance to eat points out. And that's what you expect from your, from your two. And when, you, when your two is really going, you hope your two can get in there for spurts and play close to, if not the same as your one, to give you some points. So that's where I see it. That's where I see it. I mean, I, I look back at Ty Conklin and different guys that the Oil have had over the years that have played well in that role. And even Koskinen a couple of years ago when he had those shutouts and stuff, he played well too. So the oil will need that this year. And if you said depth, and I can't overemphasize this enough, let's imagine we're in Jasper right now, okay? We're at a bar, we're at a chalet in Jasper, and we're talking. And everybody's going to say, oh, man, that's our high-end guy. That's our high-end guy. Yeah, yeah, but I always hearken back to when the oil were winning, even all the Team Canada's, Canada Cups, World Junior's, world championship this past world championship for the men's like they, they started the tournament 0-3 and it was on the strength of character and depth in the lineup that had them roar all the way back under jared galat and win the gold so it's no different at the nhl level it's no different in the world junior it's no different in the memorial cup or ahl or u.s college you need that depth if you want to go deep i'm a big believer in that
0: Kevin Weeks joining us for Canadian Power Pack. Bob Stauffer with you down in Arizona. Kevin, uh, wanna hit on something else here just, just on goaltending. Uh, Perel Vemelka out of the check league is a right-handed catching goaltender. Okay. Uh, yep. Now, uh, I, I, I will tell you that even though the highest level I personally got to was midget double A and, you know, my centerman's the head coach at Penn State. He was a pretty good playmaker. So I finished some plays off once in a while. For anybody uh, listening yeah. that played hockey at any level, they know how it crosses you up when you face yeah. a right-handed catching goaltender versus uh, the traditional, you know, what, what percentage you think catch with their left hand? 90 to 95
1: percent? Yeah, I'd say probably ninety-seven percent of the league does, maybe ninety-eight.
0: Like that's that's I have often wondered, like who can you think of who was the best right-handed uh, catching goaltender when you play?
1: Yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, pretty easy. Somebody from Spruce Grove who kind of is on the same shade of the color wheel as me, Grant Fure. <laughs> so <there you> <laughs> we're on the same. I we was wondering if you were going to go down there a little lighter. He's a little lighter. I'm a little uh, more mid-chocolate. He's certainly like cocoa, which is his nickname, Coco. But uh, I would also say a guy who I played with briefly towards the end of his career, Tommy Barrasso. Like, remember, Tommy yes. Barrasso, both of those guys came out of – Jersey came out of Victoria in the dub at 18. And Tommy Barrasso came out of freaking high school in Massachusetts at 18 and won the Calder, won the Rookie of the Year. And between them, they've got, what, six Stanley Cups? So those would be the two best uh, self paws, if you will, for me. But, yeah, it is a different look. And, you know, if anybody's tuned in now, a lot of you girls and boys that are playing that are tuned in, when you work on your shootout moves or you're coming in and you look at your pet spots, you might want to even ask in practice for your goalie if they're not a self-paw, if they're regular-handed as I am, uh, to ask them to switch over just for a couple of your breakaways and stuff. Because the other day we saw... um, we saw in the Nashville game, I think it was Philip Forsberg, if I'm not mistaken, that had that uh, penalty shot against Cal Peterson with the L.A. Kings, Yeah. He his college hockey at Notre Dame. And we thought that Forsberg was going to come in with his razzle-dazzle, at least forehand, backhand, top shelf. And he came in, and he tried to snap it fly pole and I could tell... He felt a little bit off coming in, seeing Cal Peterson there as a, as a self paw goalie in the net. It just throws them off. They're not used to seeing it, right? So that's what I was saying for a lot of the shooters. Uh, I don't want to give away too many of the goalie union secrets. I am the president of it. But when you can practice against a self southpaw or even once in a while, just ask your goalie to turn their hand over either before or after practice, not for slappers or anything like that, but just in tight for your looks, just to get a look of, of what it looks like because your brain – you know, 99% of the time, you're shooting against a regular-handed goalie, and that's your muscle memory, that's what your eye sees, and, and, you know, that's what you just become accustomed to through repetitive nature, so that'll help them.
0: Yeah, it, all right, so, Kevin, this this predates you a bit as, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of, how old were you in 1985? I was 10. All right, in that year, the Oilers, I was 19 at the time, all right, Edmonton was pretty good, yeah. and yeah. Tom Barrasso came in with Buffalo, And absolutely stoned the Edmonton Oilers. And if Jim Matheson or Mark Spector were listening right now, they know what I'm talking about. It was a two nothing game in Edmonton at the absolute height of the Oilers dynasty when they were scoring a ton. And I'm I just remember after the game. Well, you know, right handed goalie, first look at the guy. You, it, right. It's just it's just different, and that's one of the things tonight I'm going to be watching for with, with Melka. and I and the difference now today is you do have video scouting. So Dustin Schwartz, maybe you can explain this to the listeners the importance of the goaltending coaches prepping the shooters facing uh, a right you know right-handed catching goaltender for the first time.
1: Okay in practice as mentioned if you look at from a shooter standpoint you're so accustomed to going against a regular handed goalie so you know what your pet spots are right if you're going low blocker it's low blocker if you're coming in on a partial break where you get a clear shot from the slot if your pet spot is top cheese glove you're going top cheese glove well now your eye seeing the reverse in the net. You're seeing a goalie, the pads are in the same position, but their goalie's hands are in a different position. So for that split second, it's a different look for you and you're saying, oh my gosh, oh, I usually go blocker, low blocker. Ah, okay, the glove's there. All right, I usually go there on the other side. Okay, the blocker's there. So it's just for a moment, it can kind of freeze you that way. But from a video scouting perspective, I think what'll be helpful for the oil is they've now been able to at least pull an NHL game. They can pull some from a preseason from Vumaca, but also we had their game on our air on the NHL network last Saturday with Buffalo and Arizona up in Buffalo. And he had an amazing performance in that game. He was awesome. He was so good in that game. So at least there's some more NHL tape on him now. And goalie coach Dustin Schwartz can, you know, kind of liaise with the coaching staff and say, and and also the pre-scout and say, Hey guys, Here's what we've seen from the NHL preseason. Here's what we saw last weekend in Buffalo for a start and some of the things we think he did well and some of the areas that maybe we could try uh, exploiting him. So all those little factors and all that information, some people think it's overload, but I can't tell you enough. um, From a shooter, from the great guys that I played with and the really good players, they paid attention to that. Brendan Shanahan, Dave Andichuk, Dino Cicerelli, Any one of those players, as I mentioned, Marty, St. Louis, all Hall of Famers, by the way, all of them pay attention to those little nuances. And uh, from a goalie standpoint, you do the same thing. You know, I know where Mess is going to shoot coming down one leg when I was was playing against him. He's going to come down the wing on his off wing, one leg, off-speed wrister, probably low blocker. You know, those types of things. And you try to play the percentages. So it's a little bit of the cat and mouse game between shooters and goalies that people don't necessarily always recognize.
0: Kevin, love having you on the show. Safe flight out to Seattle, and we look forward to hooking up
1: next week. Love you too, my man. Thanks for having me on, and thanks to all the fans in Berta for listening too.
0: There you go. That is Kevin Weeks. He joins us every Thursday on Oilers Now for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in solar electrical construction and service, electrical, prefabrication, and solar. Guests on the show receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Tell Brendan taylor and chris that Oilers now sent you they're open from five until 10 p.m wednesday through sunday when we come back for james h brown injury lawyers we'll get to the Oilers now injury report we'll circle back to Some text and have some more thoughts on tonight's game. It is currently twelve fifty two in Edmonton, and you're listening to Oilers Now.
1: Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on six thirty. Ched, all right.
0: We just heard that. Uh, welcome back, everybody. It's 1254 in Edmonton and 1154 in the Valley of the Sun. Bob Stopper, Brendan Escott, with you. I just heard a commercial for Wayward, and I know there was uh, the company was recently sold, but I think the Degner family still has some involvement with it. Terry Degner uh, was a really good, skilled offensive uh, playmaker in the Western Hockey League. He had 139 points one year playing for the Tri-City Americans and played uh, several seasons uh, for the Alberta Golden Bears. Uh, I made a mistake in the last segment with Kevin Weeks, and I'd like to apologize. I said Tom Barrasso was the guy that came in as a right-handed catching goalie back in 1985. It was not Tom Barrasso, but it was a right-handed catching goalie for the Buffalo Sabres. It was Darren Pupa. And in fact, it was his first NHL start. He stopped all 37 shots he faced, and a 2-0 victory had occurred on November the 1st, 1985, after the Oilers had won back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. Pupa, by the way, uh, won his first three starts in the NHL, uh, only giving up four goals in those first three games. And this is in 1985, man. It's that's, that's a lot harder hard scoring. Hard scoring time, but I'll never forget it. You, you'd, you'd watch Edmonton and you could see, I mean, the Oilers had seven Hall of Fame players on the team at that time, and they were they, they were shooting the places where you would expect a left-handed catching goaltender. So it was it was interesting, to, to say the least. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Bob, is uh, Alex uh, Barry Boulay worth a claim? I do think he's going to get claimed. Uh, he got put back on waivers today by the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Larry says, Bob, Connor McDavid will be fine against the right-handed catching goalie as long as he can walk the D like he did against Morgan Riley. Oh, duly Noted, referencing Michael Hutchinson and McDavid's unbelievable goal in Toronto in January of 2020. That uh, was a special moment, to say the least. Um, As promised, we're going to get to the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. It's just this simple. James H. Brown. They're the best. They're the best at what they do. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, and the gang. At James H. Brown, here's Brendan Escott. Well, Mike Smith is uh, day-to-day right now with a lower body injury and eligible to return from the injured reserve ahead of uh, next Wednesday's game against Philadelphia at home. Alex Galchenyuk out week-to-week for Arizona, as is defenseman Kyle Capobianco. How about that handle? He's got a lower body injury with that same timeline. And in New Jersey, Jack Hughes separated his shoulder. It uh, does not require
1: surgery, but he will be reevaluated next week.
0: Yeah, uh, actually, this was a question. I want to apologize to Brett in the office. Bob, why would the Oilers not start Skinner tonight against Arizona and then give Koskinen the start against a better Golden Knights team on back-to-back nights from uh, Brett in the Office. office? Uh, you know, I should have asked. I'm sorry, I didn't see that text. Uh, you texted me during the interview with uh, Kevin Weeks. Uh, that is a perspective that you could have gone with. Uh, you're not the only person to suggest that. We were having that very conversation on the plane yesterday as we flew down Arizona. So you know, is there a way you could uh, you know squeeze a start in here for Stuart Skinner? Uh, but uh, I, I think, in fairness to Koskinen, let's see what he's got. He came in, stopped 20 out of 21 in the relief performance against the Anaheim Ducks, and then the Ducks got one in garbage time, you know, in the final 30 seconds of the game. Bob, is Oscar bombs career? done Uh, I would suggest all signs are pointing to his career, you know, it's unlikely that he'd be able to continue, It's, it's when you think about it you know, Clefbaum and Larson were the first pairing Nurse and Bear were kind of the second pairing just two years ago when Adam got hurt early in the year, missed about six weeks to start the season, Ethan Barrett came in, and the Oilers slow played Evan Bouchard, and it just shows you how quickly things... In fact, here's the illustration. Uh, these two teams played back in February of 2020, Arizona at Edmonton. Both teams only have seven players in the lineup tonight that played in that game. It's like... It's... <laughs> less than two years ago. That's how much changeover has occurred with both hockey clubs. So, um, but I I, I think at this stage of the game, Oscar Clefbaum missing two consecutive seasons, I think it's clearly heading to a specific place. 12.59 in Edmonton, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back, the Montreal Canadiens are 0-4. They've only scored three goals. And the heat is already ratcheted up. Edmonton sporting icon, Montreal-based media personality George Larock, when we return on uh, Oilers Now.
1: Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, six thirty, Chad.